Friends, uh, good to be with all of you this morning. It is Friday morning. It is the end of the week and uh, uh, excited to have made it uh, this far. It's been a very, very busy week, uh, probably in your life as well. Uh, and uh, we uh, are grateful for the dialogues, the conversations uh, that we've had on all kinds of different fronts. Uh, spiritually, uh, things that uh, will are leaving an impact all over the state of Maine. Uh, many local conversations, too, here, just for anybody that's wondering, thinking, well, our pastor is out all over other places. Well, you need to be aware of many of the significant conversations taking place also within, the, uh, within this body. And... Uh, Keeping up with all of that as best I can, and uh, lots of 
big things going on, and so I'm excited about that. Uh, I want to say be watching the uh, your email, those of you, and Facebook as well, those of you that are part of our local church family here in Morrill, Maine, because uh, I need to have a talk with Aaron and Lori uh, with all the deluge of rain, whether we should go up to their hill or not. I'm thinking of parking and uh, you know, if, if the lawn is significantly wet, uh, it might not be the best thing. Uh, we're going to check into that, just uh, just letting you know that that's uh, a consideration that, that is there, uh, that uh, that is uh, a conversation that's going to be had. So just be listening uh, to that, uh, if you would, and it'd be very, very appreciated uh, as we prepare for the weekend worship. We're in John chapter 3. Now, a lot of times we would go and say, well, we're going verse by verse. I'm really not going verse by verse. We're looking at the life of Christ, teachings from the life of Christ, lessons from the life of Christ, really more the lessons from the life of Christ uh, and those who surrounded him than necessarily we are looking at um, his teachings directly. So I uh, just, just want you to be aware of the approach that it, I'm taking here. So I'm jumping over some things because actually in the sequence of the flow uh, of how things were, were being rolled out, sometimes the things that are recorded uh, are parenthetical and, and we're picking up looking at uh, what happens next in, in the life of Christ. So we are in John chapter 3. We're picking up at verse 22 uh, and certainly the, the gospel is not being diminished in any way here. We're not skipping things. I think know that uh, that diminish the gospel at all, uh, but we are looking at lessons from the life of Christ. So really what we're looking at today almost more are lessons coming from John the baptizer, uh, and I called him the baptizer because he baptized. We think John the Baptist will, you know, almost make some de- sound denominational, and he wasn't denominational at all. Um, he was one who was baptizing people, so I have referenced him in the title as John the Baptizer. So after this occurrence, after the the nighttime visit of Nicodemus, it says after this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now, later on, we will learn that Jesus himself didn't actually baptize, but rather it was uh, he had the disciples baptizing, and they were baptizing following the same methodology as John the Baptizer had done, uh, and that methodology was uh, immersion to dunk people down into the water. So they were baptizing. Uh, some some very significant wording here in verse twenty two that we need to grasp hold of. And this is something that, that to me, more recently has come back to the forefront of, of thought, uh, and it's it's hard in certain measure. You can't spend time with everybody uh, all the time. I mean, how do you, unless you all traveled where I'm going and doing what I'm doing, uh, I can't spend time with you because uh, I, I've said, well, you could come spend time with us. Well, they went and spent time with Jesus, but Jesus spent time with them. Uh, the idea of they were he was spending time with them as they were in the midst of the gospel ministry, uh, and, and that's the model. Somewhere we've gotten the 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 model idea that 
of of pastoral visitation and going and visiting people and holding their hands and 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 I and I love doing that when when I have the opportunity to do that and I enjoy visiting people, uh, but also uh, when you look at the life of Jesus, uh, the time he was spending, he spent uh, rubbing into their lives teaching. He spent rubbing into their time uh, into their lives, but it was almost always in a group. You, you don't see this. Uh, you see very little of this individualized attention. Uh, through the the chief shepherd, uh, at least at physically, you don't you, you see very very little of it. I mean, there there are moments where you see uh, individualized attention, but most of the time, Jesus spent was spent with groups of people, uh, and and just to get our head around what does that mean as a disciple maker. Now, yes, you can spend one on one time. Uh, let's just round it out to say a hundred people. Okay, if if I were to try to spend time with a hundred people every week, um, and each person got an hour, that would be a hundred hours of individualized time in a week. Uh, and how many hours are there in a week? Hundred and sixty-eight or something like that. Somebody do the math real fast. Twenty-four hours uh, times seven, whatever that is. Seven, four, twenty. I think it's hundred and sixty-eight. Um, so that leaves 68 hours to brush my teeth, take a shower, eat some food, get a little rest, uh, and anything else that needs to be done. I, I think we need to understand the model of Jesus uh, frequently spending time with groups of people, uh, and, and we've tried to make it so individualized uh, in an unrealistic sense uh, uh, that, uh, but it can be individualized through the multiplication of people. If you had uh, 10 people uh, who were disciplers, uh, 10 people who were shepherding shepherding the souls of other people, uh, each each could make those 10 phone calls in a week or stop in for, for 10 visits in a week, and that would be 10 hours uh, to visit 10 people in a week, and all of a sudden 100 people are visited in one week. Jesus multiplied the ministry team. Jesus didn't do all the ministry. He multiplied the ministry team. Now, we can go over to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, where it says, in fact, I will take you there. I want you to see what's said. Then, then I'm going to come back to John chapter 3. Uh, I want us to understand the multiplication of, of ministry uh, concept. Ephesians chapter 4. Four says this. It was he, it was God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. We've looked at this passage before. Uh, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Uh, the, the job of the apostle, the job of the prophet, the job of the evangelist, the job of the pastor, the job of the teacher isn't doing all of the works um, of the ministry. I don't like to be called the minister. I, I really I really despise, actually, uh, for the record, being called minister because, uh, yes, I am called to minister, but so are you called to minister. We're all called to be ministered. Uh, ministers, uh, we are all called into what is called the, the priesthood of believers, where all of us as as believers are priests, are ministers in that sense. Uh, 
I don't mind being called a pastor. I don't mind being called, um, there's a lot of very unbiblical notions that we have about a lot of things uh, that, that still run in the contemporary church, especially if it's an older established uh, church in the contemporary era, a lot of things that, that really don't stack up biblically. Uh, they're called the pastor, the minister. Wait a minute. The people are the ministers. It says it right here to prepare God's people for works of service. What is works of service? Works of service right here in this verse is ministry. Uh, the job of the pastor is to help you do ministry to one another. So uh, I, I just I, I want us to understand the, the biblical model of Jesus. He equipped people to do all the ministry. He knew he couldn't get to all the people. Uh, we, we see Jesus, yes, on occasion in the Gospels, spending time with some individuals like the woman at the well who we'll get to uh, next week uh, in John chapter 4. Yeah, that was some one-on-one time, one time. And what happened? She brought other people to hear about Jesus, immediately brought other people to hear about Jesus. Uh, and there are some occasions, but but when you look at the throng that was around Jesus, if you would call it his church, he was spending time with them in groups. Uh, and not this one-on-one model that that somewhere came into being. We need to equip people for that one-on-one model. We need to have 10, 12 people who who would make all those calls who are gifted at that. Uh, I think I'm gifted at it. Uh, I'm just busy enough that that I I don't go and do, I, I just can't go out and do all that. We need in the churches not just our church, but churches, people who have that gift of care, that gift of conversation, that gift of prayerfulness, that gift of disarming people, that gift of listening, who, who, who would go out and spend that type of time. Now, I do want to go back and, and talk about spending time, and I, I do see there is a, a question here, and I will get to that question uh, in the uh, from the peanut gallery here uh, in in just a, a few minutes. I want to come back into John chapter 3, verse 22, and who knows, I might not get through uh, all of John chapter 3 today um, just because of, of what I'm waxing eloquent on uh, already. Uh, after this, after the, the evening visit of John the Baptist, it says, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside. They got away from where they had been, and it says there he spent some time with them. Now, I don't want to focus on the baptizing part, and some of you have talked to me that have not been baptized and want to be baptized. We will make that happen. Um, But this idea of spending time, the the, the word spending time here in John chapter 3 verse 22, is the Greek word diatribo. And diatribo means to rub in under the skin. It's the idea of, of being with with a group of people uh, so much so, or with an individual so much so, uh, as a discipler, that you're rubbing in under their skin. Now, now the, the word picture is like the idea of massage. 
um, like you're getting a massage and, and, and just kind of rubbing into somebody's life in that way. You can feel that in the back of your neck right now as I do that, can't you? feels great, doesn't it? Um, but but then to just keep rubbing. You, have you ever had a massage uh, that it almost where you felt like they were going to rub you raw? Uh, I know when my children were born, at least I, I remember especially when our daughter was born, that was 30 years ago, um, that Wendy wanted a particular spot on her back rubbed. And I rubbed that and rubbed that and rubbed that. And it was it literally was turning raw. Well, that that is really what, what this word is getting to, 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 to rub in down deeply, deep tissue, to rub right into their being, to spend that type of time with someone and, or with a group of people to rub into them in that way. Um, for us as disciple makers to learn, I mean, if you have a group of people that you're investing in, uh, to 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 learn how to spend that type of time. Now, I want to talk about one other thing: clicks, church clicks. Yes, there there are church clicks. Um, that is true. But sometimes I will hear people call uh, a, a small group of people who are engaged in the ministry of the church who get uh, and, and who get all the attention of the pastor. Uh, well, that's that's the click. That's the inner circle. Yep. Biblical, uh, it's not that you don't care about the other sheep. Jesus talks about the 99 sheep. But the, the biblical nature of this is the fact that, that there was. Jesus had, if you look at the model of Jesus, as will come out in the study, he had the one, John, not John the Baptist, but but John the Apostle. Uh, and John made himself close to Jesus, so, Sometimes I I do wonder sometimes if Jesus was was ever like John. Can you give me a little space here? You know, I do wonder that sometimes. Um, but then there was the three. There was John. There was James. There was Peter. There was that 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 three who got even extra because the Lord knew Jesus knew that they would be the most impactful. He knew that they would be the elders, if you will. He knew that they would be the senior leaders of the church. They got the most attention. Additionally, not only did they get the most attention, then there was the 12. I mean, they they were the ones that got to go to the upper room. They were the ones that got to go out to the garden. They were the ones that got to go on these trips out into the Judean countryside um, on these little uh, excursions that they took. Uh, they were the ones that got all that. So sometimes, and I think churches have to evaluate, people in churches have to evaluate, do we, do we have, am I a part of a clique uh, or am I a part of a, a discipling group? There is a difference. A clique is a group that doesn't care about anybody else. Uh, it's a group that has their their inner secrets. It's a group that uh, won't let anybody else into the fold. It's a group that exists not for the purposes of disciple making, but just for the purposes of having a little group. And even that isn't necessarily wrong as long as within a church we're, we're looking, there's a new person. How can I connect? Would they fit with our group? Would they fit in with us? How do we pull them in? We all need to be thinking that type of way. Uh, and and so often, and, and a very unhealthy mentality in so many churches, is you put it all on a pastor. Now, you might say, Jim, you're the pastor. Are you trying to talk yourself out of No, I'm not. I'm wanting to multiply the ministry. 
You are the ministers. And, you know, there are a number of you who participate and listen and that you are doing things. Uh, but some of you, uh, maybe we you can step a little bit more. Maybe some of you would be like that 12 who who demonstrate that type of care. Some of you might be in the wrong role for yourself uh, where you're, you're doing things that maybe somebody else could do. Uh, and right now, some of the things I am doing uh, are, are things that, that I'm probably the most gifted to do among us or uh, what, what I'm doing for the uh, re- redesigned, reconfigurated uh, New England Bible College are, are things that you know, I'm being told, look, you're, you're, you are a unique person in the state to be able to, to, to say things the way you say them and connect the way you connect. That I'm doing the things that, that many people feel those are the things that, that only I can do. You need to do the same thing. Step up into something that, that is, is right for you. Some of you would be so uncomfortable uh, it wouldn't be right for you because it's it's not you're not wired that way. But there are some who are wired for more ministry and for you to say, God, give me more ministry. I've prayed and prayed and prayed. God enlarge the ministry, enlarge my ministry, enlarge my impact for you. And that's my prayer. And I I pray that you would pray that as well for yourself. Jesus was spending time with them. And and it says and baptized. They baptized. Later on, it would say he himself didn't baptize, but he had the disciples baptized. Years ago, uh, when when I was over at Fairhaven Camp, and I got to get to this question because uh, Jess might have to run off to work. So uh, uh, it was like, Pastor, would you come baptize people? And I finally said, you know, it's you counselors who are leading these kids to Christ. You ought to be baptizing them. And so uh, the practice and I'm not sure where it is now currently, but for at least for a season of years, uh, the counselors would take new Christian kids, kids who have given their life to Christ at camp and baptize them. That is the Jesus model, uh, just just for the record. And for us to think that way that, you know, would God use you to baptize somebody? Would God use you to to lead somebody to Christ? Would God use you to care for somebody? Would God use you to make that phone call to somebody, you know, uh, to care? Spending time with, baptizing. People who are becoming Christians need to be baptized. Uh, and then verse 23, just on this theme of baptism, it says, now John was also baptizing at a... Anon near uh, Selim, because there's plenty of water and the people were constantly coming to be baptized. I mean, that we would pray that people would constantly be coming. That needs to be our prayer, that people would constantly be coming, constantly wanting to, to learn about Jesus, to be instructed about Jesus, to be informed about Jesus. Oh, that that would be our prayer. Now, let me get to this question. Okay, there is a question over uh, in, in the comments asking the question, why is the book of Enoch not in the Bible, and should we believe what is said in that book? I'm sorry for making a rabbit trail, but that question popped into my head. So let me answer that question. Because the church fathers, and the church fathers were were those within the first few centuries after the time of Christ who uh, evaluated when were things written. Uh, And the book of Enoch is a later writing, 
that, that came at a time and wasn't recognized within the literature uh, by by those who were the followers, either those in Judaism, some of the things from the Old Testament that were uh, excluded because Jewish the Jewish leadership said this doesn't fit in with the rest of, of our text. It doesn't fit in with our 39 books. And, and the, the leadership uh, that was being trying to be faithful to, to who were the scribes, who were the prophets, who were the people saying these things, um, made, the, made the determination based on uh, where things originated from, uh, based on um, the language that was used, uh, and I, I'm, when I say language, I don't mean like dialect, but I mean the, the wording that was used, the vocabulary and so on that was used. And so those leaders made the decision that those things should not be included. So so you have um, uh, so you have, we have uh, our 66 books. Now there are other groups that include other books. For instance, the Roman Catholics have, have uh, what's called the apocryphal literature in their Bible. They have more books than the Protestants do, uh, and yet it, it, uh, that came later. Uh, and um, those church fathers, and then there, there were councils that were had to try to determine. They looked at how many manuscripts were there. Uh, how, how widely was this circulated? Um, did, did the early church uh, in the first second century consider these things to be, uh, and the, the word that's used here, we, we throw the word canon around, but do we even know what it means? So I think we need to learn the canon is, is, is that which is placed into the set of literature uh, by those who were close enough to it to make a determination that it should be considered as a part of that, uh, of that sacred writing in that way. So um, that's what we're talking about here. Uh, now, here's a question. Is there anything that can be learned from some of this other literature? Yes, there is. Uh, it's just like, uh, and if I can give this example, some of those people that wrote some of those books that, that later on other people tried to say, well, this should be part of the Bible, they never had a desire. I mean, we, we need to understand there wasn't a bound set. The, the, the Jewish culture had the Torah, uh, they had the historical books. They had the writings of the prophets. They they had the uh, the poetic books, and, and along the way, they uh, they determined uh, this is what will make up our. They didn't call it the Old Testament. In fact, they don't. They still don't call it the Old Testament. They call it the they call it the Testament. They call it the writings. The Jewish people do because they don't recognize the New Testament. But then, for New Testament believers, we need to recognize what Jewish culture. Uh, recognized as a part of their sacred writings and their sacred text, uh, and, and it became then a part. Their that thirty nine books became a part of of our Bible. We we tend to almost think, well, the Bible always existed. No, it it, it didn't. In fact, people always had Bibles. No, they didn't. I mean, the printing press didn't come. I mean, what was the actual year that that the printing press was was created? Was was not created? Was invented? Uh, and the first thing that was printed on that printed press was a Bible. And uh, so, I mean, it's like in the 15, 14 or 1500s when we have the, uh, I should know, I, I need to learn that and know that date of, of the Gutenberg press and uh, 
when when that was uh, first uh, first used. I mean, that's when when we first had the Bible. So we we need to also understand that we look kind of foolish. Well, people have always had a Bible. Well, no, they haven't always had a Bible. Uh, in the early church, what they would do is they would copy the the letters that were being circulated, and they copied verbatim. Therefore, now we have thousands of copies of manuscripts of, of the writings of Paul uh, or of the writings of John, the, the Gospels, those things that were written, that were circulated, that were copied uh, in, in very detailed fashion and circulated among the church. All those thousands of manuscripts are what give legitimacy uh, to the reality that we can trust the Bible. Other historical books that were written that we put a lot of stock in may have only had a handful of manuscripts that, that were circulated anywhere where we, with the Bible in the original languages from the original uh, first, that first century or two, we have all these thousands of manuscripts. The Bible is reliable. I hope that that makes sense. I hope you understand. Now, I, I do want to say this. It's not to say that with some, especially especially some of the apocryphal books put in um, to the Catholic Bible, it's not that we can't learn some things from them. We can. Uh, we, we read lots of Christian books today. So what we do is we tend to look at historical books, uh, historical writings that were written in that day and say, well, well, we can't trust those things, but yet we will pick up a modern book and say, but we can trust this. There are things that can be learned from some of those, what we will call non-canonical, not included in the canon, the text of Scripture, that we have, the 66 books. There are some insights. There are some things that can be learned, but you always hold that up against, uh, you always hold that up against what we have written in the the, the verifiable 66 books uh, of our Bible and say, well, you know, that, that there's something kind of hokey about what is said right there. Maybe you dismiss that, but there are other things that can be learned. I, I What I'm saying is don't, don't just carte blanche dismiss it. There are things that can be learned, but you always have to be discerning about what can be learned. Now, I, I want to look at a couple of the other comments that are here. Uh... Many years ago, I and another woman went with a friend to visit her grandfather in hospitals in his 80s. My friend led her grandfather to Jesus. He wanted to be baptized. She used a glass of water, and I baptized him. I was blessed to witness this. No. So she used a glass of water and baptized him. It says, I was blessed to witness this. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I have done that with people. Uh, I have poured water. I have sprinkled. I have just kind of gone like that at people uh, and uh, sprinkled in that fashion because of their physical state. They couldn't be uh, immersed. Uh, they were on machines, some of them, uh, in hospitals, and uh, I, I baptized some that way. It is a beautiful thing to participate and see, see that uh, when that happens in that type of way. Walter up at uh, Lake St. Catherine up near Wells, Maine. Uh, we say hi to you, and uh, friend, don't burn up all the wood. It's that time of year, you know, uh, when some people burn lots of wood there in that uh, in that fireplace, uh, that wood stove that you have there. <clears throat> I guess I'm talking about myself. So let, let's let's get back over into the text. Uh, 
So uh, Jessica asked the questions about the 12 angels that were tossed out. Well, actually, the, the teaching is that there were legions of angels. Now, uh, the book of Enoch might talk about 12 angels, uh, but what we are instructed is that there, there were uh, legions of angels that were tossed out of heaven. Uh, uh, no, I'm not saying just do your research, but what I am trying to do is is give some parameters to you, some guidance to you. Um, I would tell you that you can absolutely trust the sixty six books uh, of that we have in in our Bible. Uh, and what I would also tell you is that we don't need to be afraid of those other books that we can read, but we also don't hold them on the same level as the Bible. Yes, there are insights that can be gained. Some may be true, some may not be true. There are things that are said about some of the apostles in some of those writings. There are th- even things said about Jesus in some of those writings that, that is nowhere supported in the rest in, in the text of Scripture that you might go, well, I don't know that that's true because the Bible doesn't say it anywhere. So you, you have to have that discernment. What I would say is this. First, be a student of the Bible. Because if you're first a student of the Bible, then, then you're not going to go wrong. You're going to... Uh, uh, you you are going to um, be in a safe place. Be a student of the Bible. Don't don't find yourself caught out reading all this other stuff until you first can say, "I have been a student of the Bible." I hope that makes sense, and I hope that's helpful. I hope that gives guidance to you, friends. We didn't get very far. We got just to a couple of passages here, um, and we, we will come back to this next week. I think I will call it part two. Uh, but the encouragement to us to to all be ministers, uh, to minister in the ways and the gift gift things that God has given to us, I, I think that all of us can answer. I don't expect others to be like me. In fact, I prefer you not be like me because I have all kinds of weaknesses and problems and be irritable and, and lots of things. Be like Jesus. But also, Learn your gifts, learn your skills, learn your abilities, learn your place. Some of you are, are background, behind-the-scenes people. You know, uh, one of the things that, that I need, uh, and I wish I had the funding to, to hire, uh, is I, I really need to hire a person that is just a database person. Uh, I've got data, church data, school data, you know, uh, and you say, yeah, but you have people who um, – are administrative people, but that's not their skill set. There's an example. Uh, People who just make it, just whiz right through uh, things like uh, Excel or through other databases, access or or things like that, uh, keeping track of things and pairing things back and and whatnot. They have that skill. That that person might, might not like being around people a whole lot, but they have those skills, and those skills are, are vitally needed in the life of ministry. They're, they're, they're critical skills to have. Uh, I need people who would die a thousand deaths to, to stand in front of a crowd of people like I do. Uh, but um, but also um, are great one-on-one. I, I think of, of a man... Uh, He's a businessman here in the Belfast area, part of our church. Uh, I think he's a monster one-on-one person, really so good. But I don't know how he would feel getting in front of a crowd of people and trying to do what I do. So I couldn't do that. 
He's great one-on-one, and, and all of that is necessary for the strengthening of the church and for us to all find our roles in that way and for more of us to learn how to be diatribo people, people who who are working at trying to rub Jesus in to other people's lives. All of us, to some measure, can do that, and some of us can do that to a greater measure. Oh, that God would use us for the glory of Jesus in that way. Well, friends, I'm going to stop there today. Uh, hopefully you have been informed, instructed, inspired, encouraged, uh, challenged uh, in, in your life, and uh, we'll come back to John chapter 3 next week. Lord, help us today serve you in the ways that you've wired us to serve you. And Lord, even in, there will be times that we're not wired to serve, but the need is there. Help us to step into that need and glorify your name through our service. Lord, in our lives today, we pray, be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, hear our prayer. Have a good day, everyone.